Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're finally at the end of one of the most forgettable, most inconsistent Philadelphia Flyers seasons. But the Flyers aren't the only inconsistent thing. The NHL player safety department is a complete joke. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's episode 76 of Orange and Back Check, and it is the final one before the end of the regular season to the 2021 season. And all I got to say is, thank God. This is one of the biggest jokes of a season I've ever experienced as a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Obviously, we have 06, 07, but Scott, you're 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 a little bit older than me. You're a little bit more in tune with what how these Flyers in historical fashion like. We have three games left. You just lost seven three to your arch rival across the state in the Pittsburgh Penguins after beating them seven to two the night before. Um, which really sums up how this season goes. Two inconsistent games, or one inconsistent game after a great game. Uh, Shane Gossespierre is now suspended for two games because of a dumb hit on Mark Friedman. Um, overall, what, what, like, what, what, your summarization of this game of this season compared to every other season that you've you've seen in your lifetime? I really found out that you remember those candy dots that are on paper. Yeah, yeah, I really like them. That's my uh, summarization of the season. That you like them. I like them. They're fantastic. I mean, the blue ones weren't bad. Aren't they were bad. all good. They were the candy dots on paper. And if you didn't like get the whole they tasted thing. like paper, you know, my my wife said that and I don't agree. I think they taste like candy. your wife is correct. But, but you're, if you're, you're not eating them right, if that's the case, you're supposed to pull them right off the paper. With your I, yes. Yeah, and you would still get the remnants of pieces of paper on the candy. And I it would taste like paper. paper. I don't know. I never tasted it. Oh, you had a terrible childhood. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> going right into that should tell you what I think about this flyer season. I mean, it's it's it, this has been ridiculous. It's been awful. It's been hard to watch. I cannot remember a season except 0607 that's been this difficult to watch. Yeah. Now, I'm, I, I'll, I'll admit I didn't watch a full 60 minutes this week, even the the Penguins games. Like yeah. we, I actually said to you, I texted you. I was like, let's just let's hold off on doing an episode this week until after the two Pittsburgh games because we wanted to get those fresh. Right? You yeah. always want to get the big rivalry games. And yeah. I said, let's do it because we'll both watch those games. I watched maybe 40 minutes of the blowout win because I was like, they won this game. Good for them. It's nice. Uh, I predicted they were going to lose the then the following night two to one that we you again you and I were yeah. going back and forth yeah. I, and then as soon as Pittsburgh scored in the first like four minutes of the game or whatever it was I was like this is over like it's it's a waste of Brian Elliott's five hundredth game 
Yeah, and that's a shame of it, too, because I didn't realize how good of a record Moose has here. Like, he's had a pretty solid record here as a flyer in yeah. his couple seasons here. I, I think what bothers me the most is that, and we've talked about it in weeks past, of just how inconsistent this team has been. You can go and you can kick the Penguins' ass one night when they're and then they're not playing as well as they should be. Then they come back the following night, and you you just – you try to make a comeback because you get down early again because you can't find your legs early in a game. It just it it drives me up a wall. How people are still how how this could be accepted at any any level. Now, granted, we talked about it in weeks past as well. It's COVID. I bet you the team gives a pass for the offseason. Everybody gets a chance next season. You know, Dave Scott made some comments this week. I don't necessarily agree with, but in in years past, this has been the culmination of 10 years, almost 10 seasons of just mediocre Flyers hockey. And, and ultimately that's what it is. It's just, it's just mediocrity. It's fine. It's you're in one year out of year and when you're not the, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been like this since, since they went to the final, yeah. they've been, I would say that they made the final in 2010 and in 2011, they made the playoffs. 2012 they made the playoffs. Since the 2012 season, it's been that one year they're in, one year they're out. The next year they're in. The following year they're out. The following year they're back in. Then they're out. Then they're in. Then they're out. And they they they've won one round of the playoffs in the last ten years. I mean, that should speak volumes to you of where this franchise is going. They are becoming, unfortunately, if you you know look on social media, if you look around and what people are saying about this team, they're becoming irrelevant in the city of Philadelphia. Last well, season yeah. was, a, was a great way to look at the team and say, hey, they might be on the up and up here. The, you know, they finally might be finished this rebuild, but taking a step forward last year and then two steps back this year, it just shows that there's well, something there's something wrong here. There's, 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 there's an issue I, here. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it either. I it's, it's poor marketing. It's poor play. It's poor um, connecting with the city. I think that the flyers make one of the better efforts historically of connecting with the city. And I guess you could just draw the line to the passing of Ed Snyder um, that they've lost that connection. Um, they've lost that fire, but it also, to your point about how saying that they've won 2012, they won against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And then obviously last year they won against um, the, 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 doesn't matter who. I don't even remember who it doesn't it was. matter. I, 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 <laughs> Montreal. <honestly> do, Montreal. <laughs> like, it, like it, it's just one of those things where you've won two playoff games since 2012. And it, it, whether it's fair or not, it gives credence to the Claude Giroux criticism. Um, which is a fair point because to Dave's what I was to going into that, what Dave Scott said that I think you and I both agree on disagreeing with him. Um, he made it sound like it was, you need to surround your, the core of the team with better players. That's basically what I was like. He, Cause he said he didn't want an overall, um, turnover of this squad. He wanted to keep the coach. He wanted to keep the GM, which is, I think is the right move. Yeah, you have to give it a pass the, for COVID. You, that does play the, a factor, but it's... it's the problem biggest. is when we keep hearing the same thing where we don't blame the coach, we don't blame the core, we just need to surround our pieces with the correct... Pe surround the team with the correct pieces. I'm just... It, the consistent thing in this team, sadly, has been Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, and Sean Couturier of the world, uh, Scott Lawton, these guys, they have been with 
three, four, even five different coaches since 2011. So there, there's, it's not as, it's not a, it's a pattern that they don't want to accept is what I'm really getting at. And you're stuck with Claude Giroux for at least another season. And again, I don't want to sound hypocritical to my, to our talk on last episode where Claude Giroux doesn't give, get the credit he deserves for his impact on the city. And that's true. So you have to look at the remainder of the core because Claude Giroux is the guy that comes in night in and night out bar none. Like he's the most consistent player on this team, in my opinion. So you look at everyone else should be on the table. Jake Voracek, Claude, Gir- or excuse me, J- JVR, all of those guys. Like, I know you just signed Scott Lawton to a, that five-year deal at $3 million, but that can be movable because it's a friendly contract. It's not, it's not unmovable, which is a good thing. So when Dave Scott says to the media, oh, yeah, I don't think we need to make a massive overhaul on this, on this team, I think he's just, I think he's just following the blind following the blind. That, yeah. That's really what it comes down to. The, Dave Scott is completely disconnected from reality, if that's the case, uh, that he doesn't need to make a massive overall. In addition to him saying, oh, we also need a top scorer in this offseason and we need a top defenseman to pair with Ivan It's pretty Pro-Pro. massive if you need both that's pieces. Massive. That's that's massive. That's a, that's a decent haul because you're going to have to turn around a lot of your roster to get pieces like that. Yep. Or even your system, which you really don't want to throw away your farm system because it took you years to rebuild the cupboard. Here, here, here's where I'm at with this, and this is what I don't understand. I don't think they know what direction they want to go in yet. Yep. I mean, they know what they need, but you're coming into a season where uh, teams, there's still going to be another flat cap. Again, we've said it so many episodes this season, and the reason why we say it because it makes a bigger impact than you think. Huge. Teams, you know, and the, we talked about it with, with Chuck Fletcher. It's not in my mind. I don't believe that Chuck Fletcher just sat on his hands as people want to blame him to do. I don't think it's on him. I think that it's let me factors. ask you something because yeah. we've said that a couple times. The big name that was out there in the offseason, this most whatever you want to call it an offseason, was Zidane Chara. Ultimately, he signed with the with with the, with the Washington Capitals. I think you could have easily made a move for him. I don't think I don't think to say that he was stuck and had to ha- sit had to sit on his hands. I don't think that's a true statement. I think you could have signed Zidane Char if the, if the money was right. Okay. You could have. You could have. I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about replacing a guy like Nat Niskanen. Zidane Char is not at the age where you're going to bring him in as your number two anymore. He's just not that type of player. It would have right, been, but when but, you're going for the piece to when you when you're dealt a curveball like a Niskanen retiring that you had no idea, you just kind of you kind of plug something in. Okay, but you, you don't have Eric the money Gustafson. to do it. You're right, but you don't have the money to do it really because you're already up against it. And second of all, that player's got to want to come here. Sure. So if yeah. he didn't want to come here to Philadelphia, I mean. That's yeah. that's the part of the factor I don't think people see. Hundred percent. You know, but there, there were no reports of them approaching Zidane Ochara in some sort of effort to see what his we don't thoughts know that were. we you don't know that. I mean, look, not everything leaks out, so they could have had talks with Zidane Ochara, and it just didn't work. I'm out. I'm going with what we're told, and everything indicates that nothing was was done. That's maybe there, I can and, only and, go with what we're what we've seen and what we and, read. Hey, missing. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they held out hope that Niskanen would come back at some point yeah. this season. And that would be the case. I think that, I think that, I think that's that the most was evident probably thing. more or less where it was at. Yeah. Um, and he would change his mind. Obviously, that's not happening now. And I don't see it happening in the future. 
where they're at though is that they they identified exactly what they need. They do need a scoring winger because this team is going to finish the season with nobody scoring twenty goals. It's just there's just no way it could happen in the next three games the way this offense is performing. The the top goal scorer on the team is Joel Fabry with seventeen goals. I mean that's more than oh Konechny's only got eleven. You know eleven goals. Couturier's got sixteen. Couturier, JVR, and and Claude Giroux all have sixteen. Jake leads the team in points. He doesn't even have ten goals. So yeah. uh, it's just. They need they need more punch up front. That's why we've said line A in the past. That's why we talked about last week going to get some more guys, maybe like a Victor Arvidsson type. If you're looking more of like a more of a top six rather than a top line winger, um, you know you need a top defenseman. It, it comes down to this stuff. Your teams weren't going to make moves last season because of the factors of not just a flat cap, but also heading into an expansion season with the team with the with the cracking coming in. So teams are very precautious coming around that. You didn't see a whole lot of big player movement unless it made sense for both teams, like the Anthony Mantha trade or the uh, trade where um the Islanders made out to pick up uh, Travis Ajak um, and uh, what not Blake oh, not Blake Como I forget the hell the guy's name anyway uh out of my head. Anyway, so but that's my point. Unless it made hockey sense to trade for both teams, it really you didn't really see too much player moving to the deadline either in regards to that. Now they're in a situation where I don't think you're gonna see anything the dust settle and, and players start to move again until you hit that expansion draft. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, players aren't gonna, you know, teams aren't gonna really try to move money in this way and that way and have a player poached out or have to, you know, uh, you know, uh, expose a player they don't want to expose. You're going to see a lot of movement with draft picks back and forth of, hey, we'll trade you kind of like what Vegas did a couple years ago. We'll they'll yeah. flip up a first round pick so they don't take this player, they take another player. So there's a lot of that movement there the team's preparing for. Once that dust settles, you could start seeing more player movement. Uh, but again, yet again, if, if a player, if a team loses a good enough player, that's just going to rise the price on a player that you might want because another team might need him because they lost him in an expansion draft. So that that's the key for this offseason is that expansion draft. So, this league has not like, and this is one of my biggest complaints about the league in general. You know, I was actually talking to my buddy about it a couple days ago. It, the NBA does a really good job of being able to move star players from back and forth to different teams, and they can do it relatively easily. Hockey is very resistant to that, which I find really makes things boring for a lot of fans because fans want to see like a guy like, okay, like let's say LeBron James. Okay. I'm using that example. Cause it's easy. You know, he played for Cleveland then Miami and then Cleveland. Now he's in LA like in every couple of years, he can kind of go wherever he wants. The, the mechanics of it don't work where again, we've talked about it before a guy like Connor McDavid, while he's playing fantastic this year, nobody probably really knows because he's out in friggin' Edmonton. Yeah. So, like his 92 points, 93 points last I looked. I think. How Ooh, well that kid is stupid. playing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's beyond stupid. And he's close to where Sidney Crosby was about a decade ago to the point where he's ready close to get that team over the hump. Just he's got to get a couple more pieces around him, it seems. Yeah. But long story short, again, there, there's no there's no juice. There's no there's going to be nothing to draw the fans back in right now. The Flyers are in such a rut. You know, with their personnel, with the way that the way the league operates is that they weren't that dumb and a team that can go out and get that player they used to. The fans here in Philadelphia are just bored. And I, I can't blame them because when's the last time, as we've discussed before, had they made a massive move to go out and pull that big haul and make that big trade, that ballsy move. The last time I did it was with Carter and Richards, and that was a yeah. decade ago. And yeah. Fans have understand that, you know, you're right. You talk about Claude Giroux and him being the guy in the consistent piece, but they haven't done the justice of surrounding him with enough wood pieces. And, and it's been it, that this is the this is the byproduct of bad management for a decade now. Yeah. And I think what the, the what they tried to replace those big moves with 
was the big moves within the farm system. Like when when Ivan Provorov entered the in, entered into the fold, he did a year in juniors, and then you realized this kid is too good to be in the AHL. So you got to see what he can do in the NHL. And he immediately thrived and immediately made an impact. So you said, wow, that's really cool. Let's keep him up. And that's what you did. But the problem is that doesn't get the juices flowing in the sense of the casual fan. It gets, the, it gets the juices flowing for the, the guys like you and I who are in this thing from, from the draft, even though it's boring as hell, but through the off season and beyond. So, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I think we talked about it last week. I want someone like Matthew to Chuck uh, along those lines. Like those guys make an impact. They may not be household names. They're certainly not in Philadelphia for the casual fan, the the average fan that's listening to this podcast right now. But it's it's a guy that you can easily look at and say he's going to come in and make an impact, not just for the Flyers, but for one more at least one more year with Claude Giroux, so you don't waste his talent. And yeah. that's the key factor at this point. Agreed. 100%. Which scares me a little bit because if you're building only around to not waste the years of Claude Giroux, that could be a really good thing or it could fail, blow up in your face for at least two or three years. And, and that's what I think makes me a little bit nervous because right now, if you go back a decade ago and see the Flyers moves where they did have, okay, the lockout happened. Okay. They went balls out right before the lockout, tried to get every player they yep. could. They had Jeremy Roenick, they had Tony Amane, they had Keith, uh, Keith Primo was healthy at the time. They had went everything they could and they still lost in the conference final. Okay, they come out of the lockout, and they signed two biggest defensive names in the market, Darian Hatcher and Mike Rathjee. They weren't fits for the league, but nobody really knew it yet. And then they made the ballsy move to do that, and then the following season was a disaster. They realized they needed to make some tools and changes to get up into the era, the current NHL, and they did that in 7 They went back to the conference final, and then the year after that, they had another issue where they lost Jason Smith, replaced him with Matt Carl. It worked out, but they got knocked out in the first round. The following year, they go get Pronger, make that big-time trade, go get him, go to the final, lose in six. The following year, they take that same team. They get a couple points away from the President's Trophy, and they're out in the second round. The following year after that, they realized that it was getting a little stale the way it worked out. They realized that Carter and Richards weren't the future anymore. Which is and- wild to me. No, like but you're you're three years removed from the Stanley Cup final, and then you're like, no, no, this is too stale, and but, that's the difference. But but here's why. Here's why. If you go back and you read the book, the follow up to if you go up and read the Flyers like book, I but Jay Greenberg did it. Wasn't full spectrum as the second one. Um, it talks about how they weren't going to get any higher value for Carter and Richards at that time, and they had Giroux in the wings, and they had a chance to get Yager. So they went ahead and said, okay, our core is going to be Pronger. Giroux and also bring in Yager to help support Giroux and bring in younger players. That way they could build a longer, uh, a bigger core in. And that's exactly what they did. So they got maximum value for those guys, which you're still seeing the remnants of today. You still have Jake, you still have Sean Couturier and you still have Claude Giroux as your, yeah. your top guy. But since then they've tried to do little things as far as like, okay, like they had Wayne Simmons for a while and they let him go a couple of years ago. Uh, Braden Shen, they had him let him go a couple of years ago. Um, the guys that they got from those deals are really gone and the remnants of it are just Drew Voracek. Really, really Drew is part of it. Cause he's the, they know they're ready to hand it off to him. Yeah. Uh, Voracek and Couturier. Other than that, you, you've, you've done everything from within and 
Flyers fans, like I said, aren't really used to that, and they don't get energized for that. But it's also the lack of the fact that you haven't gone out and gotten a, a Jeremy Roenick. You haven't gotten a Chris Pronger. You haven't gone and got the big name when you did. You got the best name available last season in Kevin Hayes, but with all due respect to Kevin Hayes, he's not a household name and a guy you're going to get jacked up about. They made the mistake with Vinny LeCavier, but at least they had the balls to go do it in 2013. At the end of the day, that that's that's what's missing right now is the, to show that that commitment to say, you know what, it may be a smart move, it may not be, it's a high-risk move, but they had the balls to go do it. And I think that that's what kills the fans right now, a casual fan, is that the team just doesn't look like they have any balls. Yeah, the players are tough and the players are skilled and they can perform at a good level of a certain time and other times they're not. But I think with, with the Flyers, it's all about being tough and all about being the bull, the, you know, the, the Broad Street bully mentality and going back to the Legion of Doom when they had Lindros and going back to the team that would go out and get the guy that would help you get over the top. And they haven't done that in a decade. So, yeah, I understand the frustration with people. And I think that what's going to wind up happening, and you're seeing a lot of people now say it, it's like they're they're disinterested, and that's going to affect them in the pockets. So once they really start seeing the pockets, like starting to dwindle a little bit, doesn't matter if you're Comcast or not, no company wants to lose money. Once that starts happening, that's probably when you see real change. And if they don't, if they don't think it's happening now, it probably will be because if you if you if you put on the ice pretty much the same team as you did this year without doing anything else drastic and adding pieces, you're gonna see a lot of fans turn away, and that stadium's not gonna be full even with COVID restrictions lifted. Just saying. yeah, and and that sounds like it's gonna be certainly for next season. We should be having a full 82 game season with fans in the stands at 100 percent capacity, all things considered. Because uh, they announced in the in the state at least Philadelphia is obviously different because the mayor does his own thing, but. The governor announced the, everybody he hates can, him. Everybody hates Jim Kenny. <laughs> everybody hates well, Jim. I don't not know. to get political, but like the whole thing, not to get political. The, the, the thing is like the, the you learn in like thir- third or fourth grade. It goes uh, city mayor uh, uh, or governor. governor, senator, president. And then you're seeing the governor of the Pennsylvania state say, oh, we're going to do this thing. And the governor or the mayor of Philadelphia saying, no, I'm going to do this thing. And you're like, how does that work? And it's very hard to understand on the baseline of it, it, which is mostly what people do. So that's why it's but back to the point, like the hope is 82 games, 100 percent capacity in the Wells Fargo Center for next season for the Sixers and the Flyers. Um, but if, if Jim they, Kenny allows it, if, if, if Jim <laughs> Kenny allows it by September, or October, whenever the season is going to start. But like, y- 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 but to the point, even with that, you, they'll be lucky to hit 50 percent capacity because yeah. like, because there's not nothing exciting. worse for a sports franchise than apathy. When you have just consistent levels of nostalgia, not nostalgia, just being inconsistent and not having any buckled of uh, any sign of interest or anything of that, of that thing, you get hit in the pockets and then you cannot make the moves that you want to move, especially as we've talked about time and time again, the flat cap, this flat cap is not going away for at least two more seasons. So you got to find ways to make the money work. And then again, that goes to the asinine statement that David Scott says, where he does, doesn't think he needs to make a major overhaul of this friend of this roster. Yeah, And which I got to make two, two, two plus one does not equal five. Two plus one equals three. You got to find the correct matchups and the matchups are by making massive overhauls. Like that's how this is going to work, Dave. I'm sorry that you think you can keep 
the like like I, we've said it before i've said it before at least i don't know four players on this current team that i would say definitively they have to stay and one of them has to be Claude Giroux only because of contractual obligations the second one is carter hart but i'm also at the point where yes i'm giving him another year but if another team comes to you and says hey we'll give you X amount of first round picks, like you always entertain. I would entertain that. You're being insane. Listen, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Look, Dave Scott said it all starts with goaltending. I don't. I don't fully agree that this whole season on Carter Hart should be blamed on him. Has Absolutely he played not. well? No, you're right. No. Has he? Has he played at his best? No. Has he been off his angles? Yes. Has he had some issues mechanically? Yes. Is it all on him? No, because. When your defense opens up 15 feet of space in between well, the left defenseman and the right defenseman, and the other guy can skate right up the middle for high-scoring danger chances almost every single night, that's why you can get nine goals scored against you against the Rangers a couple times. It's just it's absurd when people think that, okay, it, yes, the goaltending was subpar this year. Yes, it has been. But when you have poor defense in front of you, it's exacerbated. So uh, if people don't know what that means, it just means it's, it's made, made bigger. Made, made quicker and bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, know. Exactly. Were okay, you, sure. That was a slide insult at me, you jackass. Like, don't think <laughs> I don't know what you're doing here. Anyway, I was just exacerbating it. That's all. Uh, well no, it, it, it's just it makes it worse. And it, at the end of the day, it, nobody played well, and everybody's regressed to some extent. Um, but when it comes down to it, you, you can't just blame your goaltender for all the pucks that went in the net when your defense can't, you know, defend plain and simple. When you're short of defenseman that you expected to be there and it wasn't when your offense, not scoring at the right times, when your offense can't score one night, when it can't one night, it can score seven. And the next night, you know, it's fighting to score three. So uh, it just, it's so inconsistent that you have to have some sort of change. And I, I can't sit here, and I, I know earlier, much earlier, season I talked like more strategic. I, I think strategy-wise, there's only so much that you can do. I just think that there is – I don't think the team plays the right way, and I think that's part of it. But I also don't disagree with Chuck Fletcher saying the right mix with the team. If you go back when they had that 11-3 and, what, two start? You know, they're 23-23-7 mm-hmm. and seven right now. Like, they started the season 11-3-2. and two. Okay, think about it that way. Since then, they've had 12 wins. So that's bad. So it's, it's if you look at this as a whole, I agree with Chuck Fletcher in the sense that he didn't like the makeup of the team because even when they were 11-3 and 2, they didn't seem right. Something right. seemed They're, off the entire season. They just didn't it have wasn't the right convincing mix. wins. Those Correct. wins just felt like we, I'm we sure if we go back, them. yeah, you kind of snuck back. You got a lucky bounce, you got a lucky one goal lead. And then you were able to pot in the empty net goal uh, mm-hmm. to make it a two. So it looked a yeah. little bit bigger, a bigger of a yeah. win than it really was. There was nothing convincing in those first 16, 15 games for this team where you were like, oh, yeah, they're a perennial uh, number one seed challenger yeah. in the Eastern Conference. And then they got hit with COVID. And, you yeah, know, like, right. You know, and, and that's really, a rebound. About. That's I'm shocked. Really started going downhill. I'm really shocked we didn't hear that more of, oh, well, we also had the two-week pause when we all had the COVID outbreak, and that really screwed up our, our rhythm and our flow and our in our chemistry. And it's like, no, dude, like a lot of teams went through this. Like, so I was glad that they didn't. But you're right. Like that was a moment where they, they clearly – every and I, I'm curious if they had never had that pause, would they had just gradually skated by, no pun intended, on those 
eke uh, on those short-sighted wins, or would it was this inevitable? Uh, I think this I, is, no, it was this was inevitable. You, yeah, you I think know when they were eleven three and two, there was like there's something not right here. There just there isn't. Yeah. It just it just get. It's one of those things where it just finally it's almost like a bubble in a stock world. Like finally, yeah. you know something's not right, and then finally when it bursts and 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 uh, you know the shit really hits the fan. You know, it, that's exactly yeah. what happens. And it just, it, I can't pick, I'll tell you when it happened, when they had that three, two lead against Boston, Boston tied it late and then won it in overtime. Yes. That's when the wheels came off because yeah. that's really like, okay, that's a game they should have closed out and they couldn't. And then they started blowing leads there and then they couldn't beat Boston. And then they got hit with COVID and everything just went downhill and snowballed from there. But that's for me. That's when the wheels came up. Wasn't the nine nothing loss? They were already down in the dumps after that. That loss where they were up late. Bergeron tied it. Bergeron got the game winner, and that was the game for me anyway. When I looked and said, "Okay, there's something wrong here," because that's a game last season they would have won. So and you look at and you look at like Tahoe, and you look to kind of see that might be the turnaround game because they played well against Boston in that. Yeah, but it had nobody. Everybody was out right. for Tahoe. Right. Like, so, and it was one of those things where like maybe they can get the sh- right the ship on a national televised game. Yeah. Cool atmosphere in, in the Tahoe uh, at Lake Tahoe, obviously. Yeah. And it just never, it never went that way. And that, right. that, that was kind of like the season's over without anyone really knowing that it was over or saying yeah. that it was over, I should say. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much where we're at with it, man. Like, you know, I know that next week before we talk playoffs, we're probably digging more of an autopsy of what really like went wrong and looking at the players and pointing them out and see what happens over the next three games and who can finish strong here. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is just as, this has been, this has been a disaster. And I don't think management, although they're saying they would, they want to get through it. They want stuff. At the end of the day, it does take two to tango. So, like, there isn't guys available just on the market you get. You can go sign Gabriel Landeskog. How are you going to make that money work, okay? Do you yeah. really want to sign almost a 30-year-old power forward to another JVR-type contract? You really have that player in JVR. You kind of hope that that Seattle takes one of your higher contract guys, obviously. Obviously, <sighs> there's ghosts there. There's Voracek that's making, I think, $7 million. Even Kevin Hayes. Eight and a quarter. And he was getting three, he's got three years left on his deal. Although, yes, he's leading yeah. the point team in points again. That you, people, and look at, This is what I've always said. I, Jake has frustrated me just like every other Flyers fan. You know, yeah. Jake has been the whipping boy in this city for a long time. Jake also puts up a lot of points for as much flack and as much defensively as he plays poorly sometimes. He also leads the lead in the team in points. Okay. So think about this team without Jake and how bad they'd probably be. Yeah. But I, I don't buy into that theory because everyone freaked out after the Carter Richards trade of where are you making up those points? And then all of us, and then they were, they brought fine. in Simmons. Right. They had, they had, they brought in Simmons. They still had Scott Hardnell. They, they had Giroux on their top player. They had Yaramir Yager. They made up those points, but legitimately, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if you did with Jake how you make up those 43 points because listen, yeah. whether you like it or not, he still leads the team in points. He's got 40, 34 assists on the season. He's a minus 13, but still at the end of the day, that's what you have to look at is that that's the give and take who's going to take an eight and a quarter million dollar contract for a 31 year old who put up 45 points this year and led the team. Who's going to put up that money on a flat cap. I don't know. Hopefully you're going to expose them. You're not going to have a choice. But the thing is, I don't know who else that Seattle would want to take in that case. I mean, Vegas took Pierre I mean, Edward Barmel, one of my favorite players. So, like, I mean, it's, I, I mean, if you can somehow sign Gabriel Landeskog, that's the makeup right there. 
He has it, like it 50 be, points. But does he fit? And that, and that comes down to that because you already have the same similar type of player in, in, in JVR. So what do you do with JVR? $7 million a year because it's going to command north of that. So yeah. it, again, it's it, that's that's those are the types of questions you have to ask. You can't just say, okay, go get the guy. This is this is the conundrum the league's put itself in. Like seriously, like, you can't just say, "Oh my god, I hope they go get this guy." Oh my god, no, you have to worry about flat cap. You have to worry about you know like they're, they're moving this money, but you can't retain X amount of dollars, and you can't have dead money or or shorter contract. This league, th- this is what pissed me off at player movement because now you can't move players because of that because everybody's yeah. so tentative. It's a hard cap. Out. That's why the yeah. NBA works to what you were talking about earlier because the the hard cap. In the NBA is quasi hard. It's yeah. really just kind of like a a floating cap without being a floating cap. Like I don't yeah. know. I can't tell tell you how I know how it works, but similar to the NHL, you have to make the money work when it comes to trades. They have to be within a certain right. percentage of each right. other. But when you're a superstar, you qualify for reasons that you can. A team can go above the cap, below the cap, like yeah, shift around, north, south, axe. Like, yeah, it, yeah, and, and, not, and then you can get out of a deal like the Sixers did with Al Horford, like you know, yep. which is a bad deal. But in the NHL, you're stuck with it, and, and stuck then you can only and retain up to like fifty percent of someone's salary. But no team's yep. going to do that. And exact, and say the NBA and NHL, just for the sake of argument, their salary caps are a hundred million dollars. <laughs> the NHL is you literally if you go. A hundred million and ten cents, you're fined, or you have to get yeah. rid of that ten cents yeah. to get your compliance. If it's a hundred million dollars in the NBA, they can say, "Well, you're at a hundred million and ten cents, but because you have this, you can make it work, and you can actually move it up another five million dollars if you want." Here you go, like figure it out. And it's like, what? And it's it's obviously different leagues and how in different contracts with the unions and the players' association and all that good stuff. So it, it, it's why the NBA is a better product. It, it's a player's league. The NHL is an owner's league right now. Like that's yeah. going to yeah. be one of those things where how does the NHL become more team friendly or excuse me, become more player friendly because that's going to go a long way. You see the model. If a player, if it's a player developed league, then it will grow into something you hope outside of that. And to that point, and before we get out of here, like, in addition to the players league, you have to have to also be concerned about player safety. Yeah. I mean, we have an office dedicated to the <laughs> department of player safety in the, in the NHL uh, where it says earlier in March that says Tom Wilson of the capitals is worthy of a, a seven game suspension for a very dirty hit back, back then. And then this year, just a couple days ago, he gets just a $5,000 fine for a, albeit, at the end of it, not that dirty of a hit, but because it's Tom Wilson and he's beaten up on the Ranger, like you got to be consistent with this stuff. So, and then Shane Gossespierre checks. Oh. And again, the the thing that we're looking for is consistency. Shane Gossespierre is worthy of, of a suspension, in my opinion, for that hit that he had on Friedman. I'm fine with it. The problem is you can't within less than 24 hours tell Tom Wilson, you deserve $5,000. Oh, by the way, he's making like $5 million on his contract. So $5,000 is absolutely nothing to a player like that. And I get it. That's the max fine that they've negotiated between, again, the union and the players association, or excuse me, the players association and the owners and the league. That's fine. But you have to take in history. Shane Gossesbear had never has no history of that up until today when he got suspended. So to look me to 
to tell me good for the Rangers who just blew out their GM and president. Yeah, which is crazy. After they that were a rebuild, after that insane statement where they literally just said that the players' the safety department is a total joke. The guy who runs it is not qualified. It's George Paros. George Paros. Thank Paros. you. Like he's a total joke, and he is. Like you can't look at this department and say, "Oh yeah, they're really concerned about player safety." Here's why. Okay, look. Albeit, I'm going to give Ghost credit for what he did to Mark Freeman last night. Seriously, like there is no love lost for there. And I, I'm telling you what, was it a dumb move? Yeah. Do I appreciate the effort? Absolutely, I do. I'm not going to lie because you know what? It was it was a guy sticking up for his team and being sure. pissed off because you know what? The guy talks smack and they handed it on the ice. I don't necessarily right. agree there, with, a, it, with the suspension. A- yeah, I mean, there's a difference between playing dirty and doing a dirty hit and policing the player, the players policing themselves on the ice. I think there's Correct. a there's a fine line. Correct. I think Ghost crossed it. But I think he did I too. Under, I th- I, understand I understand why, why. he did it. And that's yeah. why I'm saying I appreciate what he did because he was doing the right thing for his teammates. Yep. Tom Wilson took a guy's head and slammed it into the ice. Yeah. And you're telling me like that douchebag that he is, and Ghost is, was more egregious than Tom Wilson. Are you kidding me? Look, if you really look at it, Ghost barely touched him. And then Mark Freeman went flying into the boards. He didn't really hit him that hard. He barely touched him. He grazed him. That was a a graze by hockey standards. And he got suspended because he stuck his arms out. And you have a guy who slammed his head against the ice. Another player's head against the ice. And he gets fined $5,000. A player who was already suspended seven games this year and fined $311,000, almost $312,000 for a boarding penalty against Brandon Carlo earlier this year. Uh, you know, it just, it is bewildering to me the lack of consistency with this yep. NHL player safety. And that's why I said to you yesterday when we were texting, I was like, you know what? NHL player safety, my ass, because if you really did care about safety, you'd make a bigger example out of Tom Wilson. Now I don't have an issue with the fact that, okay, if it was because of the penalty that was called and it was a rough, that's one thing totally fine with it. If that's the bylaws you want to go with, but taking a guy's head and slamming into the ice is complete nonsense. Now, one of my favorite players who I've liked to watch over the years slammed Henrik Zetterberg's head. Shea Weber slammed Shea Weber slammed Henrik Zetterberg's head into the glass at the end of a game. Yeah. I can't remember. I have to look it up real quick, but I can't, I know he got, I believe he got nailed with a suspension as well. At least the glass gives, believe it or not, the ice does. Right. Right. So right that, that's right. what kills me. It yeah, doesn't, I, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me how inconsistent. Like you, you it, that is a physical safety hazard by slamming guys on the, on the ice. The ice is no give. It's very hard. If you fall on the ice, you can actually cut your head open. Look at Joe. Okay, you want a perfect example? Joe Pavelski, Game Seven of the 2019 Eastern Conference Quarterfinals, San Jose versus the Knights. Game Seven, ten minutes to go. Gets tripped up by Cody Eakin, falls backward on the ice with a helmet on, gets knocked out cold, okay, by falling backwards on the ice, okay? Sharks go on and win the game anyway. They were down 3 nothing at a time, tie it, go back and win. But the point was, Joe Pavelski still was bleeding out of his head profusely and was knocked out with a helmet on. Now, that was him falling backwards on the ice. His head was not being slammed, his forehead, into the ice. 
You're telling me that's only a $5,000 fine? I, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I don't know how they looked at this and said, okay, you know what? You already were suspended 70 games for a boarding penalty. Now you pull up this nonsense. I'm sitting you for the rest of the season. There needs to be some sort of line set to know, okay, this will not be tolerated in the game of hockey. I'm all for guys policing themselves. I'm all for guys for fighting. I believe I'm a favor of fighting. I have no problem with it because it's been part of the game's history, but you you can't tell us that you're into finding out how to prevent concussions and then being okay with a guy getting his head slammed into the ice. I just don't buy it. No, especially because, and I think this was inevitable anyway, that we're recording on Wednesday night, the, the night that they had, are rematching against each other, the Capitals and the Rangers and Puck didn't even drop and they had already had uh, had a line yeah, fight. Yeah, had, 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 had six fights already. Yeah, an additional three other fights within the first five minutes. Now, I think that's inevitable no matter what, but if you give the punishment that Tom Wilson deserves, you at least mend that to some degree. I'm not saying that the, the fights are not going to happen. They certainly are, but you at least reduce the 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 as Gordon Bombay says in, in D2, th- this is not hockey. This is a circus. Yeah. Like you're trying to prevent that. And that's exactly what it is. And here's the thing that, that, that hit I talked about with Shea Weber smashing Henrik Zetterberg's head against the glass. Yeah. $2,500 fine. Yeah. Like th- so that's how can you say and that happened in 2012? How can you say that you're trying to help player safety when players heads are getting slammed intentionally against glass or it's the ice. How can is that more egregious yep. than, than someone getting cross-checked and barely touching the back at the end of a game? Oh, look, Friedman could have been hurt if he went in the wrong way. Yeah, could have been seriously hurt. I understand that. So I'm not saying that Shane shouldn't be suspended. I, I just I don't understand how that is suspendable, but Tom Wilson's actions aren't. And I think the league really needs to take a look and step back. But this is going to hurt the league also is that you're coming into a big year where you're going into ESPN, you're getting Turner Sports, you're getting a lot more visibility, you're getting a lot more action. And that, if the league doesn't start standing up and start and, and trying to get more in the face of the casual fan, if you don't start handling situations like this the right way and really suspending players and getting them out of the game and showing them and setting an example of them, people are going to tune you off because they're just going to – they're not going to care. They're, they're, they're just going to say that it's not a safe sport if you're really going to do things. So uh, slamming your head apparently is fine. It's okay. It's just, Hey, take my money, but you know, boarding anything along those lines. Yep. Uh, that, you're, you're, you're gone. That point. There's no, there's no issue with slamming a head against guys. Like, so you're and telling me the that same, and Tom Wilson's the same guy that was suspended for multiple games in the playoffs a couple years ago yeah. for dirty hits. Like Tom Wilson's history does not date back just a couple of seasons. This is his entire career. This defines him as a player. Yeah, he scores a lot of goals for the Washington Capitals over the course of his career. But at the same time, he also causes a lot of headaches for this team in terms of bad penalties taken, mm-hmm. game misconducts, and all that stuff. And the NHL Players Association, or excuse me, the Players Safety Department is just like, meh, we kind of need him. And yeah. you need villains in the league. Sidney Crosby is right. a villain. Tom Wilson is obviously a villain, but yeah. Sidney Crosby is a villain for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. That, He's it, not... like that's that's the difference. Sidney Crosby yeah. is a is a villain because he gets under the skin of your players, whether you're playing your rival in the Flyers or just some joke of a team when you're playing the San Jose Sharks on your West Coast swing for that month. Like that, like everyone wants to watch Sidney because. He's a really good hockey player and he twerks and he irks you to the level where you like, 
I want to boo this guy and I yeah. want to be in the stadium to boo him. That's and, the difference. And Sidney used to be a dirtier player. He used to be in his younger sure. years. He's not anymore. Mark Messier in his younger years was a, was a dirtier player. There was a, there was a, there was a, a play uh, circulating today uh, on, on Twitter showing how he elbowed Dennis Savard intentionally in the head, a charge, an elbow right to the head. Like this is back in like the late eighties, early nineties, back when, before they even really knew about concussions. You can see that Savard's on the side of the boards on the half wall, just dead, just dazed, not knowing where it was. You know, you go back to the Darcy Tucker hit on Sammy Kapanen in 04, where he literally just almost broke the boards basically. That's how hard he was hit. You know, I don't have a problem with with some guys playing a little edgier. I just don't have, and I don't have. A, I'll say this: I don't have a problem with the way Tom Wilson plays the game, so to speak. I have an issue with the fact that that even though after repeat offenses like this, the league hasn't taken a tougher stance on repeat offenders like that. You know, a guy suspended twenty games in twenty eighteen, suspended seven games this year, goes ahead and and, and, and slams a guy's head into the ice, and he's only fine for that. That's that. That's the problem. There is that he's you. The history that he's had, you you have to have at some point a limit to say. You know what? Enough's enough. You're you're done. You're done for a while. You you cannot. We cannot trust you to be safe with other players on the ice. I don't have a problem with a guy who hits hard. I don't have a problem with a guy who plays the game the right way or is a little bit dirty with poking and every once in a while. But when you're doing something that egregious. That's a problem where the league really needs to step up and make sure it's taking care of the players. Because then, if you're not, then the NHL safety, um, the, the, the safety department of the NHL is just a joke. It should just be an absolute, absolute joke. It won't mean anything, and the players will see that eventually, and the fans will see that eventually, and it won't help the league any at all. No, it won't, man. You know, I think that, that that's that's really all that that has to be said about this. Like at, at this point. The, 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 that's all i got to say about that that's right that's the end. good good pull far as gum <laughs> like that that's really all it comes because if you don't address anything and nothing changes you push people away because yep. the, the work it's like when you're working at a company that doesn't make the proper changes or make any changes at all to make the workplace environment better people leave and you what you're su- sitting there wondering hey where'd everybody go and you don't look in at yourself and say oh we we messed up X Y Z for X reasons when we let whatever happen, and and that's exactly what the NHL is facing on a bigger scale in terms of audience. And to that point, and I would like let's get into that next week. The the, the partnership that now it's it's TNT, it's Turner Sports, it's ESPN. This is a huge huge opportunity for the NHL. We were talking about earlier how they they're lacking behind in terms of fandom and with and just. Uh, of watchability in terms of every other sport with football, basketball, and, ho- and and even soccer. Like the union are pushing themselves at a very high pace right now. They're in the final four for the, the CONCACAF, the entire uh, Central American and Northern American uh, Champions League. They're in the semifinals. Like that's a huge deal, and it's going to be picking up storm. And if they, if they make it even farther than the semifinals, like they're going to not – I don't. I'm not saying they're going to pass the the Flyers. That's a very tough task asked to, ask to do, but they're going to be nipping at their heels. That's for sure. Like this team is, they're not going away, and they're only getting better. So let's get into the Turner Sports and all that good stuff for the Flyers for the NHL as a whole next week. I mean, I don't even like they have the Capitals and the Devils. Like just lose out. Like I I don't even care. Like just let them lose out. <laughs> oh and three. They play them Thursday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday, and then they, they wrap up the season on Monday, 
And then that's it. Like, it, I, I cannot wait. We started this episode saying we cannot wait. I truly cannot wait for this season to be over. I'm over it. Literally. I, 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 I'll try and watch all three games. I'll be good with one and a half. What, what, what was the analogy I sent you last night? There was two of them. It was the, it was that it's like when you leave a job and you quit a job and you're just waiting for your last day. Yes. But it feels like, and also like when you're have enough in like the NHL video game franchise of playing a season, you just want to simulate to the next one. So you can go through free agency and everything. Yeah. And just see who you can sign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, do you're like, I, I'm literally just going to be a GM. I'm yep, just going to build yep. the team. I'm not going to play. Just see yep. what I can get out of it. Yep. Yep. That's all. You know, my, my, I have a buddy who just buys the games and does that. And that's, that's I used to do that. Do. I, 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 do. Got, I got to that point uh, with quite a few video games, actually. Like the, 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 you reach a point where you're like, I've won four straight championships. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I don't I, make this hard enough anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. even when it's on legendary or all star, whatever difficulty you're just like, I've won four straight championships. My yep. team is an overall 99. What can I do to make this fun? And you're like, hey, let's see what I can do out of just building this team from yep. the ground up and yep. go from there. Yep. But exactly. that is going to do it for this week's episode, episode 76. I was really hoping we would hit Carter Hart's number 79 throughout the season, but COVID happened oh. and that ruined it all. We would have And hit not it. just that, too. He's out. We didn't even talk about how he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, he's out for the season. I mean, Carter Hart's out. It, for doesn't, the it doesn't really matter. At it this doesn't. Point. It, like, again, three games left. Carter Hart will be back. We've talked about it time and time again. Fully in on this guy still. Like I, I, I have I, concerns are there, but they're not un unfixable, and that's all that matters. So, thank you so much for listening. Episode seventy six of Orange and Backcheck. Questions, comments, concerns about this season. I'm sure you have a bunch. Orange and Backcheck at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at obackcheck, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Orange and Backcheck. We hope to see you guys in this offseason. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be an exciting one. That I can can assure you. I think there's going to be some big moves for this season, despite what Dave Scott says. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kenny Albert here to tell you that Tom Wilson still does not suck as much as I do. I mean, that's true. <laughs>